Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's a bit of a treat, I'm sure. I hope you have lots of questions because, well, that's the point of this. Um, I'm going to start things off uh, with this amazing collection of people, so please put your hands together. First, producer of the film, Ed McDonnell, director, Denis Villeneuve, and two stars of the film, Emily Blunt and Benicio Del Toro. I'm going to start, if that's okay, and then I'll throw it out to, to the audience. Uh, Denny, can I, can I start with you and just ask, what was, the, um, what was the fascination with this world that you wanted to, to bring this to, to the big screen? Where uh, did it start for you? But it, it really came from the, the, when I read that screenplay from, uh, written by Stiller Sheridan. And, uh, uh, I was sensitive to the border situation, the, what was happening there. I was feeling that... Uh, it's a place that uh, needs to have more cameras in this part of the world because what is happening there is very uh, sadly disturbing and uh, ugly. And uh, as a Canadian, I feel that uh, it's a North American problem. It's uh, something that I feel we have a responsibility to. So, a responsibility to, so. Um, and it's just that it's a screen, I felt when I read the screenplay, it's very powerful and raw. Uh, screenplay. I just felt in love with it, and uh, I felt doomed because I was just out of prisoners. I said I was looking for a rom com or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I said, ah, no, not again. <laughs> the next one you can go towards the light. Yeah. <laughs> well, you see, that's, I think that's what's quite unique about the film is that you see both sides, which you never normally see in a film. It's normally from one side or the other. But this was very much kind of. You know the victims as well as you know from both sides, really. Yeah, the the, the thing is that for me it was important to show violence from the victims' point of view, and uh, for me the movie is not about Mexico or the cartels. I don't think that nobody learns something new about the cartel in this movie. It's not about that. It's more about uh, America uh, and how America deals with uh, some problem outside of uh, its border. Mm. Yeah. Um, Emily, congratulations! Thank you. Oh, amazing! Absolutely brilliant! Um, what, I mean, I imagine a, a fascinating character for you to bring to life, and she's this character, her, her job's her identity, and that's all we know about her, really. And you spend quite a lot of the film with a lot of the characters trying to work out their backstory yeah. because none of that's kind of really revealed, which yeah. is, adds to the thrill, I think, of the story. But um, for someone who's kind of on it and so professional, she's incredibly vulnerable as well, isn't she? Mm. I mean, I think that was the appeal of the character. She was very multifaceted. I loved the idea of this incredibly highly skilled FBI agent who had this great inner strength. Um, and yet there was sort of a shyness in the character. And um, she wasn't this butch, gunslinging heroine. It was a reality to her. And I think the idea of seeing that strength begin to disintegrate and by the end of the film, it's like her legs have been broken from underneath her and, um, and the, the attempt to strip away all of her ideals by the other characters, you know, and by their actions. And I, I think that there was a lot, to, a lot to play with for me. It's a really interesting relationship that Alejandro has with, with, with Kate. And there's moments of tenderness, there's moments of fear. Did you guys work together on how you would kind of play that out on, on screen outside of the script, Benicio? Yeah, we did a movie called The Wolf. He <laughs> <laughs> was that so was tender. That was the, so that tender. Was the rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the foundation. <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, the, it was in the script, you know, a, a little bit of that. And I think that uh, 
I may say the reason perhaps is because I think Alejandro uh, sees himself, his old self, in Emily's character. Is uh, when he was a prosecutor, law-abiding uh, prosecutor, um, and so, but to a point. So, 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 yeah. So it was in the script, and and we, with Denis, we, you know, and Roger Deakins, they they did something that you know elevated what we did. <laughs> um, and if if I can bring you in, in terms of you know, kind of putting this thing together and and, and getting it. Off the ground. What was the biggest challenge that you faced with with, with this project? Would you say? Uh, getting somebody to believe in having a female lead in an action picture. Wow! And how did you how did uh, you overcome that? I got Denny Villeneuve to direct the picture. <laughs> <laughs> he got Emily Blunt to do the movie. <laughs> Job she done. got Benicio to do the movie, and Josh Brolin. Where do I sign? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to throw this out to the audience here. I'd love to know where you filmed the huge mansion. Near the end. Mm. <laughs> well, where was it? Whose is it? Thinking holiday? <laughs> was, did you build it for the film? Sorry? Did you, did you just it? No, 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 no. It, it was, uh, to be honest, uh, I'm, I don't recall exactly who the owner was. I mean, it was like a, obviously someone that was rich in Albuquerque. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 it was in the yeah. United States. It was in the United States, uh, in that last place, uh, and uh, we were shooting the movie uh, in New Mexico, uh, nearby the border. Not in that part, uh, let's say in that area, not there by the border, but... Uh, and um, there was, like, this mention that uh, at night... I think, you know what, it looked like this also at night because of Roger Deakins. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did it, it, it was pretty spectacular. And uh, yeah, I was very uh, proud the way Roger approached it. It was a, a lot of work to create that, that, this, this, uh, this pattern of light, I remember. Roger was very nervous, as usual. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mind talking about Roger for, for a second, just in terms of, of how he works, if he has a, a, a way that he works? Uh, but first of all, uh, we, we, uh, there's always a, uh, a lot of brainstorm with him at the beginning where we will define the alphabet of the movie and the look of the film. Uh, there's a lot of storyboarding. The movies uh, was this movie was uh, there was a lot of uh, sequences that were storyboarded in advance, because the, we knew that the, um, the the schedule would be very tight. Uh, it was like uh, we had, didn't have a lot of time, so we had to be very prepared. Um, there was like talk about the kind of light, the the approach, the the, the colors, the framing, the inspirations that we. Uh, so slowly, uh, we slowly built the alphabet for the movie together, and on the day, uh, Roger uh, uh, and I, we, we uh, both of us, we are coming from the doc- documentary. So very often, we are not uh, afraid to throw the storyboard uh, above the shoulder, you know, <laughs> and just to improvise what what, with what is there. Um, what I've, I found for very impressive for me is that for Roger, every shot is very important. He needs to know the importance of each shot in the editing. And uh, for him, it's like he, he's, he crafts every single shot like if it was the last one of his life. And uh, I must say also that everything is done on camera. I mean, the color processing with Roger is like almost done. It's, it's very fast because what I see on my dailies is what I get. He's doing everything on cam. There's no uh, post-production process almost. It's like if we choose specific look at the beginning, and what the, and the, 
So it's, for me as a director, it's fantastic because uh, uh, I can see the result right away, uh, what the, the, the impact of the image, what it will be on, on the film. And yeah. th- did that improvisation sort of element translate as well onto set in terms of with you guys, with, with, you know, with takes and, and things? Um, I don't know if there was a, a ton of improv. We would talk about the scenes before and... And there was sometimes an element of wanting to pare the scenes down even more because I think that the, we were working with a director who really enjoyed the power of suggestion, supported it, and not spoon-feeding every moment. And that's really exciting for us because you get to play the mystery and the nuance of every scene and not um, let anything be declamatory ever. And, and, it, and I love that mystery because it kind of makes people lean in. Like, I feel myself leaning into these characters. And, um, and so Roger was also wonderful in that way that he'd allow us to just stretch the scene around first and walk it around. And there wasn't a set way of how he saw it being shot. And the same goes for Denis. And, and it gave us a lot of freedom. It yeah, it's not improvising. I'm not. I'm not talking about the, the improvising dialogues. I'm talking about uh, being inspired by actors in the morning. Sometimes yeah. there are some scenes that, for instance, the board, the border battle is not something that you, you can improvise. Yeah. And it's, a, it's a choreographed sequence that it, it's shot in uh, three or four place, different places. I mean, it's, it's, it requires a lot of prep, and we mm. are we, we didn't improvise. But there's other moments when there were. It's just when I say improvise, it's just listening to the actors' movement. Yeah. What they are, the, what the, they come, their ideas on the set sometimes, and sometimes they have great ideas. Sometimes, not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, next question from our audience, please. It's a Sorry. question for Denny. Um, notwithstanding, it's probably not going to happen in the rom-com that you do after this. But what is it that you really enjoy about morally ambiguous stories? That oh, the the more the more ambiguity is just that I feel that it's closer to truth than. Uh, than uh, anything else. Today, the, in the world, uh, politicians have a tendency to put the world in black and white, and I think that the world, for me, uh, like, uh, for me, is very complex <laughs> and a lot of gray zones, and I love uh, to... Exp- I think that uh, cinema is a great tool to explore those gray zones. That's, that's, what, that's what I love. Does it answer? First of all, thank you very much for the film. It was absolutely brilliant, and um, you kept me gripped all the way through, a lot of tension. I just want to ask a question uh, quick question about the casting um, and, and mainly the peripheral casting because um, there was a lot of um, diversity and I like the sort of marine type characters in it you, you know there was a lot of um, colour and that was built up with the way in which the other casting was done so could you just talk a little bit about that, that process of building up the, so, so you have a great supporting cast. I mean, you have a great main cast, but you have a great supporting cast as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a, the, it's a very interesting question. It's a, it was a, I, I worked with uh, at the end of the day. So, uh, it's working with uh, see, doing casting is like an art in itself. Huh? And uh, <laughs> I had uh, uh, well, Ed, you gonna help me now? Yes. Because the, the name of the, the lady that did Francine Maisler. Yeah, no, in LA, yes, but uh, but in, in Albuquerque. Ah, uh, Joanna. Joanna, thank you. Uh, uh, I have a, I'm jet lag, sorry, my <laughs> <laughs> and, and Joanna uh, did. I I chose her because I vividly remember what she did in No Country for Old Men. The casting in No Country for Old Men from, from No Country for Old Men for yeah. me was like a kind of. A, I'm talking about all the small parts 
you know, the people that she was able. And she's, she's someone that she, she loves to, uh, she is, they are hard workers. I mean, they, they, they are digging in society, finding people sometimes that are non-actors, sometimes, uh, and they did a fantastic job. I wanted the Delta guys, the, the, that are part of the Delta team, to be people that have skills. And uh, I think that uh, among there were 12, and eight of them were re real Navy SEALs or ex-Delta Force or Special Forces with in, insane <laughs> stories. But it's like it's a, they, were, they were so that the guys knew how to behave, how to move. They had that uh, we felt in their face. They were very inspiring face because we felt that uh, they, they felt real. You know? They taught us a lot as well. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. And, and uh, for the other, the other parts, it was a long process. Like finding the boy was a very long process. It took us a long time to find yeah, this boy time. that will have that kind of sensibility that I was looking for. It's, I think the key is time. Take it, you know, it's yeah. not something you improvise. It's a, and uh, working with someone like Joanna, with the show, she was so brilliant, so passionate. passionate yeah. yeah, that probably took us. Um, uh, 12 to 14 weeks to find that young boy. Yeah, yeah. And we looked everywhere. We looked in L.A., we looked in New York, but we ultimately found a local boy who had never acted before. Yeah. He just had the right look and the right presence and the ability to be in front of a camera and be natural. Mm. It was a great find for us. Um, okay, next question. I think you've got a microphone already up the back. Yeah, I'm fucking awesome film. I'm so stressed. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's so stressed. Let's go straight to the point. Stand up! Stand up! Can you talk a little bit about the um, sound design and the music? I thought that kind of lended this really kind of eerie, freaky, spooky quality. Oh, uh, yeah. Johan uh, Johansson. The, the, the first thing is, uh, we, we, uh, when I asked uh, uh, the editor, I mean, half of the crew was Brit. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, no, but Joe Walker, that is uh, someone that, from here. Uh, and I, I, I said to Joe, I wanted him, that, I wanted him to edit the movie without <laughs> music just to feel the, the tension in the scene, to try to create the tension coming really from uh, actors and time. And, and, uh, and, so, and once the movie was, uh, the editing was finished, uh, we shown the movie to Yuan without music at all. So there was no temp music, there was nothing. Uh, so it was, it, was totally yeah. it was totally fresh for him. So. The first thing he said to me is, I love the film. And the second thing is, he said, hey, but it doesn't need music. <laughs> but, but, which we uh, I, I didn't agree, of course. The thing is, uh, he, he, uh, I asked him to, to I said, I, I would love you to create a music that uh, we, we feel, not a music that we hear. Music that will come from the ground, like a tension that we, the audience, not necessarily hear, but as a feeling of, a, like, that's why sometimes the score is playing very low, you know. And uh, ask, ask him also to, to write something about the sadness of Mexico. I said, we need to feel the sadness of Mexico in the score. And then uh, I remember he went away and he, he goes and, uh, I don't know, hiding in, uh, in Iceland somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and he came back with those strings, you know. I know it was doing, uh, he, he called me once, said, I'm in Berlin with a dead metal band right now. <laughs> and they are doing those. And he came back with that sound that I think is a, uh, I remember I, I said, uh, he said, do you have a reference? I said, yeah, Jaws. <laughs> and, 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 but he came back with that sound that I think I was so, we were so excited when we, when we played that the first time. No? I remember Joe and I were jumping around in the editing room. Mm. That, uh, we, that we, we, it's a fantastic score. I think it's the best score I ever had in my life. Uh, this guy has so much talent. Uh, it's a, a very, very strong composer. Is that quite a unique thing to cut the film without any music at all? Is that quite 
Is that different to how you've worked in the Me, past? It's, uh, no, uh, uh, very often the editors to help themselves. I don't know because they get bored or what, but <laughs> they, 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 they put music to find their inner, their inner rhythm of the scene. And I always felt it was wrong to do that. And, uh, since, uh, and I said that I edited Prisoners uh, without music, and that was a fantastic experience. And because then you feel that if there's flaws, if there's problem in the scene, then you see them really, you don't have to compensate with but Music is so powerful. It's like uh, when you apply music on a sequence. That's why I feel sometimes, uh, and I won't say that. Yeah, I will say it. <laughs> The thing is, is, I feel that sometimes directors, they make the, the, the uh, sometimes I'm listening to a film and say, oh, I, now, right now I'm, I'm listening to his playlist of his iPod. You know, it's like it's, it's, <laughs> when the, a sequence is a bit uh, slow and boring, they put music in order to ramp it. Or, uh, it uh, yeah, it makes no, sense. Me, me, uh, uh, I, I think it's uh, to edit without music is a way to feel the, the failure or where you make it. Yeah, there's real problems. To allow the performances as well, because that's what I came away from the film as well. It's a wonderful pace to the film that allows you guys to act and to, to, to play these parts. Kind of, you know, like you were saying, you were able to stretch out those scenes. And you kind of really feel that. There's nothing rushed. There's no performance that's kind of cut where it feels like it needs to because the pace needs to be a certain way. Did you kind of feel that when you were you were kind of making the film that you were you were given that kind of freedom to take your time with things and and do it your way and do it the way you thought? It? Actually, um, on the first day, I think we were doing the scene in which uh, Emily's character is in the bathroom when I come back and I give her her gun after she she has a fight with the corrupt uh, American uh, cop um, border cop. Um, and I was doing the scene, and I was running fast with the lines. And Denise said, one of the things that he said, I don't think he, he said it ever, ever again. But he <laughs> said, take your time. Take your time. And, um, you know, I took it. And I took it in every scene. <laughs> so, so uh, but, uh, but he, he had that. It, you know, it, it, it makes an actor feel um, comfortable I've always, I feel like actors want to rush and my instinct is, let's, let's get these lines out, let's finish the scene. And, uh, and it's nice to hear a director say, you know, take your time. Because um, it allows you to um, think, listen, and respond. Mm. You know, but with your fellow actor. It's also, I think he's a director who really understands the the exciting stuff is the space between the, the actors, and that's... The silences. The silences. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's what we look for, is actually, is not so much the lines, it's... I always feel like it's the space between me and the other actor that I look for, to, and when that feels like it's sparkling, it's really nice. It allows you as an audience member, I think, because, you, because I was saying earlier about you don't know... The, so there's not, you don't know much about these characters, about the backstory and stuff, and it allows you as an audience mm. member, you're kind of... Okay, well, and you're you're thinking about it, and it's wonderful for your brain to be active throughout the whole film. It's nice think about as well, it. you know, because we're not given all of that expositional <coughs> dialogue that you see a lot of characters in films who kind of speak about themselves in a very self-aware way, mm. and it just doesn't feel genuine, you know, especially for characters who know each other over the course of three days. You know, there has to be more of a mystique between them, um, and so it was a relief actually not to have. Like, 
the scene where you're like, well, you know, my divorce was blah, blah, blah. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so hard to do that. Wow. <laughs> it, makes it, it, makes it, it makes it real, too. Yeah. You know? I, I, there was a monologue that we had that my character would explain to her character what happened to him. And I, my experience in life is that I've met people who've had tragic uh, moments in their lives, and they don't open up mm. and tell you this happened to me, and uh, and it just felt very forced for me to say it, uh, to say that monologue to her halfway through the picture, and I and I remember going to Denis and I said, you know, I've met people like this and they can't, uh, they don't open up like that quick. I've met, I've known this woman for. You know what? Uh, you know, forty-five hours. minutes, <laughs> and um, and uh, and he heard, agreed, understood my complaint, and he took those lines and he gave them to Josh Brolin, <laughs> who did a terrific job. He did a great job. Every morning I was working in the Josh trailer and said, what Bingsu doesn't want to say today? <laughs> yeah. Give him a Josh. Josh, Josh can make anything work. Yeah, yeah. Even in flip-flops. Even in flip-flops. flip-flops. <laughs> I just want to ask, because obviously, uh, it's, uh, well, firstly I want to preface it by saying, fantastic job, and uh, <laughs> it's an amazing you. film. But when you shine a spotlight on something like that, like, as you said, a dynamic between something like the American government and the cartels on the other side, and stuff that's actually happening. Do you ever feel like, do things get, you know, does it make things a bit harder? Do you ever feel that you have to go through some sort of preliminary stages or, you know, in terms of censorship, or do you ever go through some hairy moments where anyone's like, oh, actually, we'd rather you don't make this film? Because actually it's quite stokes up the mind and actually it does instill you with a sense of this needs to be sort of stopped or looked into, you know, so... No, no, it's a, it's a, this movie was made with total freedom. There was, it's, a, it's fiction, right? Like, and uh, as I've been so said to me once, it's like anticipation. It's, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not based on real facts. It's a, it's, a, it's a based the, the what is happening, what is this depict, the violence that is depicted at the border and the Mexican side is real. I mean, it's like, we, we, there's a, it's not something that is exaggerated at all. But the, um, the way the when, when the, let's put it this way: the, the, the uh, screenwriter did a fantastic job of re- great research, based on uh, some friends uh, of, of his uh, journalists that were working in Mexico and the United States, and also uh, uh, he had uh, the main character was based on a real FBI agent, a woman working at the border. Um, he did also. Uh, made numerous interviews with the FBI and, and so it, there was like it, it, it was really there was a feeling of a strong authenticity in the script then us when we uh, I remember we were doing uh, interviews just to make sure to, to make to back us up uh, with the FBI <laughs> and very often when we were talking with them uh, we were asking them questions like uh, do you guys sometimes uh, uh, will use um, special forces to, to do some extraction of someone, and the answers were always, "We are sorry, sir. We cannot. Uh, we are not authorized to talk about this." <laughs> so a lot of those. Uh, the, the, and the, 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 
the more we were going closer, the, 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 it was always the same answer. We, we are not at the yeah. rise. Yeah, we understand the question, sir. <laughs> so, so it's like we felt that we were. It was like I, I think that the movie is fiction. It's a fan, it's a phantasm. It's not real, but it's it's uh, uh, talking about a way of doing things. By the way, for me, the movie is not about uh, the cartels. About that that approach, and and it's like it could have been set in the Middle East or in Africa. You know, it's like something. Uh, What, what, talking about you guys talking to FBI agents, did you did you hang out with some FBI agents? I I'm, I met one in person. I skyped two, and I spoke to another one on the phone, and they influenced a lot of my decisions. You know, building the character, and um, and it, it's a world that I really didn't know anything about, and certainly a job that I'd be absolutely absolutely useless at. I mean, it was just <laughs> it's just incredible. You know, hearing hearing these women and the reasons why they decided to go into law enforcement very often it was sort of a family uh, profession they went into it um very hard on the personal life mm. one of them had a boyfriend who was in law enforcement and the others didn't and uh, you know you just hear that specific kind of woman it takes to go into that kind of line of work, particularly if you're doing a lot of the physical stuff rather than the investigative work. Um, and I, I was very nosy. I mean, I asked them everything, you know, <laughs> like what, how does it affect your sleep and what do you watch on TV? And one of them said that after a really hard day where she's seen some horrible things in Washington, D.C., she goes home and watches Downton Abbey. So <laughs> <laughs> I just loved it. It was so great, you know, to... Sobbing at the tail. Absolutely, it's the period drama. <laughs> um, and then the physical side of things is that when I got to Albuquerque, I trained with local DEA and FBI SWAT teams who taught me that choreography that you see at the beginning with mm. the SWAT assault. Um, and that was helpful. You understand the meticulous mindset of that type of law enforcement. You know, the FBI is so meticulously planned out, and it's rare that a gun is fired, actually, when they do an op like that. Anisha, for you, you've know, got these two, two sides to the character, you know, his life prior to, to the tragedy in his life and then this person he's become. What kind of, how did you sort of prepare for that for him? Um, um, well, the script. <laughs> um, but... Um, I've done many movies, um, I've done several movies uh, that take place in that world of that, the, the war on drugs, and I've met many DEAs since I think I, I did a TV miniseries when I first started called Drug Wars, um, produced by Michael Mann, and it was, uh, it was a, based on a true story of a DEA agent that got killed in Mexico. His name was Kiki Camarena. And uh, this war has been going on for 30 years or more. And, uh, and there hasn't been any improvement. The supply of drugs has not diminished. The consumption of drugs has not diminished. Violence has just gotten worse, especially in Mexico, but also in the United States. And, uh, and so when I read the script and I saw these two guys, Josh Brolin's character and and um, Alejandro, I, I kind of like felt like it was very true for many of these men that have given their lives huh? uh, on both sides, good policemen in, in Mexico or, or in Colombia before, uh, and Americans. And I just felt that it was, 
very true, this like a last gasp, some act of desperation, which is like what to the Germans was the Battle of the Bulge. This is where we're going to go out and we're going to just throw, throw down. And I found it very believable fiction, but I thought like, you know, it's at that place right now that violence in Mexico has just gotten out of control. And um, so I just felt it was very true, that feeling, easy to understand. And I have uh, good friends in law enforcement, and uh, they saw the film. They loved it. And, uh, you know, we've never done anything like that, but I can tell you a story <laughs> of some guy we threw over the fence, you know, and then we took him to the judge, and the judge told us to take him back. <laughs> you know, I can't give you names, but we did kind of like the same thing. We got him over the fence, took him to the judge, and because they did it illegally, he was sent back. As one story that I should not be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so to me, it was very. Um, that when I read this the script, I, I I just felt that there was this. I'm on the side. My personally, I'm on the side of Emily's character, but I do kind of understand that uh, aggression and f- being fed up. Mm-hmm. Um, shooting locations. That that must have been a really important decision on where you filmed. How did you come to Albuquerque being the, the predominant kind of location? Well, Danny and I scouted Phoenix. We scouted Tucson just to have an idea what the real deal was. And we went to El Paso first. But Albuquerque also was incentivized by having huge stage space and a tax incentive. So, <laughs> and it served our purpose because it really did have the look after we were in Juarez and said, you know what, we can duplicate the look here. We can get what we need here. And it was really, it's, I'm always... It's always important to us to be able to get your crew in and your cast in and out, and Albuquerque is a place we could do that from LA. Very you thought similar. about London, though, right? We did, yeah, yeah, no, we came in. <laughs> we did come to London. Not quite enough desert, but yeah. No, but at the end of the day, you know, it's like that. The uh, New Mexico was uh, perfect. I mean, uh, I, I remember we, uh, the first two days, I, I, I had already found like three or four major locations, you know, yeah. because it was like you, you feel it as a director, you, you land in somewhere. Somewhere and say, okay, that that's perfect. That that's here, and it was good. Uh, the movie was shot under pressure for budget because we didn't have. We just had enough money, so it was important to 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 find a, a place like he did, talked about uh, tax rebate. Yeah, but that was for me. The, the first thing is uh, if it offers the the landscape, the necessary landscape. Yeah, he didn't know about the tax rebate. We take Denny in, and <laughs> no, you didn't. The first day we went to Albuquerque, I remember no, no, this no, no, was no, like, if this is going to work for you. We yeah. took you to those five locations, and you said, this will work for me. No, no, then the tax incentive yeah, became yeah. an issue. But um, we shot uh, in El Paso as well. The movie was shot in, uh, in a part of it in me- me- uh, New Mexico, El Paso. But for me, it was very, very important to shoot in Mexico, not to try to reproduce the Mexican culture on the U.S. side. There was yeah. not the architecture I was looking for. There was not the landscape. There was not the vibe. The, the, you know, it's like... A, Mexican uh, cities, there's a kind of feeling of a, something a bit chaotic about the way they are structured. That, and and uh, the, just, you know, I wanted the Kate to, go, to have a kind of culture. Like I, I wanted to embrace that culture, to respect it, to love it. And uh, the, the best way to, is just to shoot there. So we insisted, and we were uh, lucky enough, we were able to, to shoot in Mexico. And that, for me, it was a, a battle that I didn't, I didn't want to lose. You know? It was very important. How was that? How was the execution of that? Was it was what was what was the experience of that like for you? To to shoot in Mexico, yeah. Oh, it was very exciting. I mean, we had a, a lot of uh, um, 
support from the government and from the, the police there and, and the population. We had a great crew. Uh, it, it's just that we were shooting in Mexico City, which is like, a, it's a bit chaotic. Each shot is a victory in some ways because uh, you, you are dealing with a, a huge amount. That we were we, unfortunately, we created sometimes massive traffic jams <laughs> because we were, when we were doing the ride, you know, it's like, but, uh, and we, but we have so, such great help from the police there. It's like, uh, so we were, it was very exciting to shoot there. And we work with great filmmakers over there. That, uh, there's a, a big uh, a cinematic community in Mexico there. And, and uh, I just, it's, that's the thing I love about doing movies uh, outside uh, my, uh, my country is to share cinema with other culture. And it was so great to, to be in Mexico shooting there. I really had a great time. Not as good as Emily did. <laughs> really? Oh. <laughs> we were not Wait, Lucio is implying that I drank too much tequila. <laughs> which he is incorrect on. I actually got hit with a horrible stomach <laughs> virus I don't sure, want to talk sure, about. Okay. <laughs> so in the car scenes, I was like this. Right. <laughs> and then we keep going. No, but that, no, I must say, madame, you were so trooper because that I was so... She was about to die and an IV was like that and then and she was no let's keep shooting and said wow she's, she's tough no no but seriously it's very moving for me because we were so under a restriction of time and you were like and I must say it was good for the scenes you could <laughs> you were quite pale Sweat. you wouldn't have anything to do with the bad food for the stomach I have to reflect on one of your uh, answers that you were just answering before regarding the cast, uh, you s uh, cast casting, and you said that uh, you uh, few of the guys from the special forces were actually like seals in uh, in their real life. So there was a shot when they were going into the action uh, in the sunset, and it feels like they're going under the water, uh -huh. the way how it was shot. And mm. it, it, was that like an homage to the, to reflect their actual background in real life? <laughs> no, but uh, it's uh, it's a uh, one of them. It was uh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> what the 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 our casting the, our casting uh, coordinator? No, sorry, our stunt coordinator was was a uh, ex Navy SEAL. Was a Navy SEAL for twenty eight years. You know, so the the guy knew how to to uh, teach everybody. But the, the guys were more special forces or Delta Force. The, the guys that were there. But uh, it's uh, I'm very happy you are saying. You, you were talking about scuba diving because this is really what uh, Roger Deakins and I were trying to create, that, that, that a feeling of claustrophobia, you know, coming from that darkness. And we shot that scene in real darkness. We were using the camera was, uh, Roger had put on, and uh, we used two cameras. One was uh, infrared and the other was with a thermal camera. And uh, the infrared was basically just something you put in the Alexa that, uh, and it, it creates, so we can shoot in the dark. But the other one, it really looks like a, sci-fi camera from the 20s, like a box with no lens that makes a strange noise, you know? And, and uh, we were shooting uh, in total darkness. Uh, there was just a Roger had put in the desert, a kind of, of, of a flag, very far away, just a square, where he bounced a bit of light so we were, we, nobody would kill himself by, by stripping and falling in the hole, you know? But uh, it was just barely enough light. And for me, it was a very beautiful experience to direct in, a tot in tot almost total darkness. Emily didn't like it, but <laughs> I didn't. I was excited by the idea that we might get night vision goggles because I thought this is going to be awesome. We're yeah. going to have night vision goggles, and then I was handed fake night vision goggles. So I was really in the dark. Disappointed. In the dark. And no, it was like, it was like walking through the pitch black with an eye patch on. So it was even worse. It was so hard. 
I think I did slip down a ravine once. You did? Even, Happen however, with Roger Dickens. Did. Yeah. <laughs> did yours work? Yeah, the, the Vincennes yeah, work. but I was covered like this, like that. And I was going, Diddy, I can go home. <laughs> can I mean, I, I can go home. <laughs> you can put anyone here. <laughs> Sounds terrifying. And he kept me there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Till sunrise. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like long, but it was a nice experience to shoot in the dark three nights. I loved it. <laughs> you were sitting down. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got... Sure. Um, hi, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic performances all round. Um, just a question that sometimes a film comes out and you don't quite know sort of the political territory. What, my question is, um, with Donald Trump just hating the Mexicans, what you think that he would think about this film and whether oh he would have it on a, on a loop at his, um, I, I, I at his uh, hostings? I, I think it's a bit difficult to predict the man's mind. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's true. Nice answer. Nice just an, uh, another section of that. Um, have you shown this film to Mexicans and what did they think to it? Uh, did they feel that this was a true reflection of their experience? The movie is... Uh, I know that uh, the movie is invited uh, to Mexico. I know that... Uh, maybe, Vinicio, you have uh, uh, no more answer to that. It's, uh, the movie is just finished. We are, it, it's it's going to be screened... Uh, it be released in Mexico. I know that uh, the first feedback seems super positive. I think that... Uh, yeah, you know, I have friends that are Mexican that have seen the film and they told me that they liked the movie, but who knows what they're saying behind, saying behind <laughs> the back. Um, but I just think that the... I think the... I don't know, it's very hard to predict what anyone is going to think about any movie you do, let alone this one that touches with real topics. And, and, uh, and it can be seen in different ways. You can see it and think that the movie makes this statement because these guys win, or is she the winner, um, or is Emily's character the winner? Um, but I do think that I think <coughs> Mexicans have reached that boiling point of that violence that I think that um, they definitely will understand uh, the character of Alejandro. To an ex- I, I feel that they would understand someone who's just can't take it anymore, and perhaps joins an American ops and work together to take down a drug dealer like this, and based on real life, perhaps that's what happened in Colombia. It was a collaboration between the U.S. government and the Colombian government. Um, But I, I, I don't know how... The, the movie, that's how they got rid of Escobar and caught him. That's what I'm saying. So, and, it's, and it's gotten better in Colombia. Colombia went through a really dark period, and it's gotten better. I'm not saying that that's the solution. There might be many solutions or many angles to a solution. So, but I don't know how they're going to behave and, and how they'll react to it. Yeah, the truth... Uh is that when you make a movie like that, first of all, the movie is about the United States, not about Mexico, but the, when you make a movie about another culture as a director, of course, I'm looking forward to, 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 
to, to hear what the Mexicans are thinking, and I'm taking uh, from the critics and the audience what they are thinking about the movie. And, and I mean, I, I had, I had in the past, I did the same thing. I did a movie in the, that was supposed to be set in the south of Lebanon. So when I went to Beirut to, to, to screen the movie there, of course, I was like nervous when I sat in front <laughs> of the Lebanese people. So what do you think about what I said about you guys? And it's like, it's like so it's, 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 uh, it's part of the, it's for, for me, it was a, I, I, I tried to be as authentic as possible uh, about their culture and to love it, and uh, I'll see. I have a good joke about that. The thing is, uh, as I was shooting the movie, there was in the screenplay, they were saying that the policeman has chicken. And I was like, there was chicken everywhere. And I was saying, what, what, is, there, is it true? And it's true when you go in Mexico, there's a, there's a chicken. So I, I wrote a, a text message to Alfonso Cuaron, and I said, what, uh, how many chicken I have a shot to make? And he said to me, the, the rule of thumb is the following, is that you had one chicken for every three fat uh, Mexican with a mustache. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, okay, remove the chicken. <laughs> but, yeah. Just really about the, I think it's a penultimate, penultimate scene, which was a last supper scene with the family. Um, and to yeah, Benicio, really... Um, what was your approach to that? Because I know you said earlier when somebody uh, said something about performance, you said, oh, it's in the, in the script, what drove you to do it? But that, what was your approach to playing, um, to playing it in the way that you did? Because it could have been played very big, you know, as an avenging angel, but there was a containment to your performance, which I thought was even more um, sort of deeply sad. So how did you a- approach the fact that, you know, you're going to sort of, have to shoot, supposedly shoot some children, and you know what I mean? You know, so, I know. Thank you. But um, I don't know how. I knew that, it, you know, there was another version of the scene, and we did both. Um, one where the kids live, and uh, one where they don't. And um, I, I felt... Um, I felt like Denis that the one where he goes all out, it's, uh, it's, it's what the title of the movie is, Sicario. Um, my approach to it was just to keep it pretty, pretty small. I, I think throughout the movie, I'm going less is more. Really, this is that type of film. That's what Denis and I talked about. Uh, to go about the character. So not just that scene, but I think for the most part, I'm, I'm trying to go small, if, if that makes any sense. And by that, it's like, just don't. I don't know. I, 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 I have a good idea. It's just because he's a fantastic actor. Both of them. Thank you so much. Ladies and gents, you. for being here. Thank you so much to our audience as well. Please give a huge round of applause to Ed. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. <laughs>